Hey friends, this is Shannon Early, the hostess and creator of the Nesting with the Early Birds podcast. I have told you guys before that I'm a Christian, but also as a Christian, there's something that we do, which is called sharing our testimony. So this episode, I am going to be sharing that with you. You'll learn what is a testimony and you'll get to hear my story. Warning, there will be some graphic content and it could be a trigger thing for any of you that have suffered from any abuse or rape, anything like that in the past. So I just wanted to put that in the front, but please continue to listen because I hope that this will encourage you in any kind of way uh, because it has completely transformed my life. Thank you so much for coming back. Hey dudes and dudettes, this is Shannon Early, hostess of the Nesting with the Early Birds podcast. I'm coming at you from the comfort of my Honda Odyssey minivan, which y'all know when you ride this thing, you feel like a boss. I mean, at first you're like, I'm never going to go in a minivan because like, I like metal and I like to be cool and I wear all black like me. And then all of a sudden you're like, "Ah, we have a thousand kids. I think we need a minivan. And then you get behind the driver's seat of this thing and you're like, dang, I feel nice. So anywho, I'm sitting inside of this thing because it is one of my spaces that I have alone for the next 20 or so foreseeable minutes. So I wanted to share with you guys my testimony and just a little disclaimer again that there is a little bit of things that you might want to have young ears not hear. If you want to let them hear, go for it. I'm just giving you a heads up, a little warning. So my testimony uh, is actually a little bit difficult to talk about and it can be a little bit embarrassing. It's a little bit hard for me to share with you guys these things, but at the same time, as a Christian, like, I know it's really important, you know, it's a pretty big deal. And I just wanted to share with you guys, maybe if anybody's struggling or whatever, just some encouragement that not only am I a normal mom, but I'm also a normal Christian. So anyways, my story. Okay, so, you know, I grew up in a family where my mom is from the Northeast. She's Italian. And maybe I'm being stereotypical here, but the Italians that I know... They're going to tell it like it is. If they're thinking about the thing and it's their opinion, they're going to tell you their opinion. And that opinion, as a matter of fact, is a fact. So you better just deal with it. So I'm coming from, you know, on that side, that background. And she uh, is very opinionated about all things, good things, things that might not normally be said out loud. So I know that I definitely get her open, my openness from her. And also she's really vibrant and outgoing and super high energy. She is a great hostess. Like she has hosted a gajillion parties in my lifetime and she just loves to have fun. And then there's my dad who his work ethic is insane balls. Like there's It's just indescribable. He is such an honorable man, the kind of guy that, like, his word is his bond sort of dude. And growing up, I always very much wanted to please my dad, and it was such a big deal. Which, trying to make my dad happy actually translates to how I am as a Christian. 
I very much, like, I try to please God. I know that there's nothing extra that I could do. I mean, once you're a Christian, you realize, okay, Jesus died for you. That's it. You don't need to do anything else. You know, like, Jesus is enough. He's the perfect thing. But I still do want to make God happy. And so that does, you know, continue forward with my life with him. But I did want to share my testimony. When I was a 13-year-old girl and I was still riding this school bus, I still had a backpack and everything, there was a boy, a much, much older boy, who would meet me at my school bus stop and force me to have sex with him on a very regular basis. Now, I'm, I'm in therapy for this still. Well, not still, I should say. I didn't go to therapy for like a really long time, but I'm really just starting to even unpack how much damage these things have done. So talking about them, it's like, it's still hard for me not to mentally go there to the point where I can still feel certain sensations or like, you know, I remember oftentimes the smell of things or the way the leaves would rustle, like all the things I would try to look at, the trash that was thrown on the ground, all these different things that I would try to focus my mind on instead of the actual act itself. I still see those things when I talk about it. <clears throat> so he would frequently, you know, wait for me because he was not in middle school. He was in high school, um, actually about to graduate high school. And he would meet me there most days of the week. And then I would have to walk home and I would walk home and my mom would ask me why I was being such a bitch, why I was being so grumpy. But I would hear her talking about me and telling my dad or my grandma that I was being just such a bitch and she couldn't stand being with me. And, you know, she would tell me that I could tell her anything, but I would try it really slowly. Um, I would kind of try it in a sideways way and say things like, you know, my friend just did XYZ or my friend had this happen. And my mom would be like, ah, what a slut, you know, like, don't, don't talk to her. And, you know, don't you ever do those things and don't hang out with that girl. And then I was like, ah, oh, man, well, definitely can't tell her what's going on with me. You know, there's just no way. And so this abuse continued from this guy for a very, very long time. Um, I did forget that, not forget, but I forgot to talk about one of the other things besides sexual abuse is um, emotional abuse, for those of you that don't know. And they say that emotional abuse can actually leave scars much longer than any of the other forms. I tend to agree to a point. You know, in a way, sexual abuse is emotional abuse, you know. Um, it's such a sacred, um, sanctified, like, act. It is very special. And in the right circumstances, is a very holy thing. And God wants us to have sex. You know, he wants us to multiply. Um, so when it's taken out of context and it's taken out of the right age or the right anything, it can it can mess you up for the rest of your life. And I'm I'm still dealing with it. You know, my husband is still dealing with it. It has definitely hurt me. 
when I was older, um, I was 18 and a half, maybe I was 19. I met a new person and I was thinking, you know, the other guy abused me, but this guy seems like he can protect me, which all these things, just so you know, repeat victimization is like a thing. If you are sexually abused, you've been sexually abused, repeatedly um, having these things happen to you is very, very normal. So I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but it's completely typical for we people to keep making these decisions or allowing these things in our lives. Um, So anyways, the next guy I meet, um, I actually moved in with him and... I, again, I wasn't a Christian yet, so moving in with somebody, you know, especially nowadays, is just whatevs. You just do it. It's like step three in the relationship. You just move in together. Well, this person was basically a bodybuilder. He was very, very strong. And this person definitely had a short temper. So I up to this point I hadn't been physically abused yet but this person this person was the start of that you know if anybody has any criticisms for women that stay with abusers or whatever it is or they'll say I can't believe she's with this guy or she's not strong enough or she needs to, she just needs to pull herself up by her bootstraps and know what her worth is guys it's not like they go on a date and the dude just straights out you know knocks her down or punches her right away that's just not how it works it starts very slowly very slowly Um, And this is exactly how it worked with this guy. And they start by first isolating you from everything, everyone, very slowly. And they'll do it in insidious ways. Like, I don't think that we should, you know, go to your mom's tonight because she actually, you know, doesn't care for you the same way that I care for you. Why, you know, let's, let's just stay in tonight. Oh, honey, I... Well, babe, I really need to go see my mom. Yeah, but honey, I miss you. I really need you. Please stay with me. So it starts real slow. And then it starts to progress. Like, I don't know. Why did you not call me? You told me you were going to be at the store. Well, honey, I was at the store. But you were there for three hours. And you normally are there for one and a half hours. You know, and you, you start being on the defense all the time. And it just slowly starts to get worse And worse and worse until eventually the only thing that you're doing is worrying about this guy not getting angry with you. And um, they love isolating you from your friends and family. Why? Because then they can have way more control over you. They love it. And actually at this time, uh, my mom and I have since talked and everything, but at this time she had thought that I didn't like her (laughs) She thought that I was mad about them for some reason because when I, if I did see them, I'd be real quiet or I'd stay really quickly. And I don't think anybody could really think to themselves, you know what? I bet my daughter's probably getting abused and I'm just going to continue to allow this to happen. Nobody is consciously saying that. I mean, if you are, then that's a whole different story. But. I think all of us have that friend that we're like, hmm, 
uh, this the the person she's with doesn't really treat her that great or whatever it is. Talk to your friend. Ask her how she's doing. Anywho, so at this time, my mom thought that I was um, basically angry with her for some reason. And so then my mom was kind of constantly on the offense with me. Um, so then her and I got in lots of fights because I just had nothing left in me. I was being, you know, used up all day long, all day long. And when it was time to see other people, you just don't feel right being out. You feel worried about being away from the abuser. You don't know at what point they're going to say is that you've been gone too long. You just don't know. So your whole life is just wrapped up in this gigantic bundle of stress. It's just awful. You're walking on eggshells. You're whatever. So the good news is that even though this story sucks, <laughs> it did lead me to where I am today. So like for that, I'm very thankful. Very thankful. Um, anyway, so the abuse started long enough that in a way it's like if you give up and say that you you know this guy's treating you like poop well then you have to go back home or there's just this feeling I guess of shame kind of wrapped in with it too and also this feeling of you just can't talk about it I don't know there's just this feeling of even if I say this thing there's just I don't know, it's just almost unbelievable. You almost don't want to admit it to yourself to come right out and be like, I'm being abused. So, because of this person, um, so this stuff is interesting. I'm not actually able to talk about it as easily as I thought. Um, I really haven't even gone into detail about it except with my husband. But anyways, because of him, I now still do not have a tooth on the left side of my face. Uh if you guys know anything about tooth implants, they all expensive. So I still don't have one over there. And honestly, I get kind of embarrassed when I smile. So anyways, as I was saying, firstly, this is like the gajillionth time I've restarted this episode because it's not only difficult, but even though my kids know that I wasn't always a Christian and stuff, I haven't shared the full, you know, the details of the story. I think it's a little much for them right now. Uh, they know that um, mommy had, mommy dated a boy before daddy and they were like, what? Scandalous. And that that boy was very mean to mommy. Um, that's all they really know. They don't know any of the details. So it's really hard trying to run around my house and like get this done. Um, but I really want to get it done too. Like I'm really excited to do this. Anywho, so... I had said that he was an abusive person and just one example, because I feel like for those of you that have been abused, you don't need me to go into detail about this stuff. It's not great. But basically, for instance, one night I decided to cook him salmon and he lost his shit because of the type of plate I put the salmon on or something along those lines. And he ended up throwing the plate at my head and just going crazy about it and I mean when you are outside of that situation you're like that's crazy that's abusive but that wasn't like the point where I was like aha it is time for me to leave now that definitely wasn't the point at all uh I ended up 
crying to him that I felt so lonely and all these other things. So he decided to buy me a dog, a puppy. And I was like so excited. I couldn't believe he would do something so nicely. And uh, I ended up getting this dog, her name. I named her Molly. She was a mini schnauzer. And it was the first time I had like my own dog. So it was very exciting. I got her as a puppy everything about it. I had even researched a lot into what kind of dog I wanted, so I was so excited to get Molly. Unfortunately, the guy I dated started using Molly as the thing to keep me in check. So instead of hitting me, if I did something wrong, he would attack my dog. And it was just torturous for me, torturous. And we had been living in an apartment complex at the time that had these beautiful walking paths all around these lakes. And so what I would do is just walk Molly for hours and hours. Like I would come home from work, get everything, make sure the house was clean, get everything done. And then I would proceed to walk Molly and I would get about 18,000 steps a day. And you have to understand, like I worked in a business office, so obviously I wasn't getting all those steps in there. And people would come out and comment and say things like, oh my goodness, you're looking so healthy. Like, this is so great. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just walking a lot, just trying to get my steps in. Uh, but we also had this walk-in closet where... If things are particularly bad and I didn't want to go outside because maybe I had just been outside or I don't know, maybe he was yelling so loud that I was so embarrassed and thought maybe like neighbors had heard or something, I would go into this walk-in closet and it was a nice, beautiful, long walk-in closet. And this one particular day, um, I was hiding in the closet and I was scooching further and further back and I hit one of those like hanging shoe rack things you know they're cloth and they just hang from your closet to help organize your space well I bump into it and a bible falls down now this was the time before like smartphones and stuff so it wasn't like I just had time to kill reading a phone I really would just spend a lot of time in there hugging my dog but the bible popped out and so I don't even know how I got the Bible. I, I have no idea, but I decided I was just open it up and kill some time. Like I had nothing else going on. He was angry and I was like, fine, I'll just read it. And uh, I opened up the Bible and for the first time in my entire life, I read the part, the story where Jesus walked on water. And I know that like every single person that's not a Christian, every single person in the world has heard of this story. And there's all these different like, you know, things we all know he walked on water. There's like whatever jokes about it. You talk about it in a phrase like you would have thought he walked on water the way the people loved him. So it's definitely used a lot in our language and in our culture and everything. But I had actually never read the story myself and in the story, actually, he isn't just walking on these super chill, placid lake waves or anything. He There's a storm. There's a storm. And his disciples, the men that follow him, are freaking out. And they see this guy walking towards them. And they think it's a ghost at first. Like, they're terrified. And basically, Jesus walked through a storm to get to those guys. And... There was a scene where his, one of his disciples 
is like, I want to come out there with you, basically. And Jesus is like, all right, let's do it. Come on out. And as the disciple starts walking, at first he's really like courageous and he's walking on water. And then he looks down and he gets terrified and he can't believe he's doing it. And he starts to sink and he's terrified that he's going to drown. And Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him out of the water and is like, hey, man. By the way, guys, I'm absolutely paraphrasing. I please hope that you know that. But anyways, Jesus is like, hey, man, uh, you started to fall because you weren't looking at me. You were looking at the water you were walking on, basically the circumstances in your life. And um, when I read those passages about how he came through the storm for his dudes, his disciples, it was like a bolt of electricity went through my head and down through my feet. And it was the craziest feeling. And I prayed for the first time in my life. And I said, Lord, if you can get me out of the situation, I'll follow you the rest of my life. I was 21 at the time. And I don't know, later on I learned that this is called a foxhole conversion, as in men in war, in danger, whatever, would pray these things like, get me out of this, I'll follow you forever. And a lot of times these conversions don't stick. Uh, but for me, thank God it has stuck. I don't know why he's letting me still follow him like this. This is awesome though. Anyways, so the very next day, I get off of work early and oh, by the way, the guy I was dating at the time, <clears throat> he said he was a Christian and he would read the Bible every day, actually, when he got home. And then he would go either roll a blunt or a gravity bong, something like that with weed and get super high. So this was the first experience that I really had living with anybody that identified as a Christian. And he would take the time to come home, open up the Bible. He would pray and immediately get high and beat me. So it was very, it was a very confusing message. Very confusing. Anyways, so I was already used to him smoking pot, but the next day I come home and I got off work early. I didn't let him know. I, I didn't think I, I don't know, whatever. I didn't let him know. And I go in and he's there and he was wearing my thong underwear sitting at the kitchen table and smoking crack. And this feeling of dread and doom fell over me. My feet stuck into the kitchen floor. And I knew he was going to kill me. I knew it. And for, he, it scared me to death, guys. The very next day, he had this unexplicable... I mean, we know what it is now, am I right? It was Jesus. Anyways, this unexplicable invitation to go visit family that actually lived out of state. And this guy that I was with never left me alone, ever, ever, ever. And he was going to go visit with his family, which was like, yes. So I called my, my parents and I said for the first time, mom, dad, please, please come and help me. Come get me out of here. Dude, my dad at the time, I told you about his work ethic. For some reason, he was randomly off work that day. And in the work that he does, him and his friends carry guns. Him and his friends come over in like 20 minutes. They all have pickup trucks, guns. They're not redneck, though. That's exactly what it sounds like right now. They're just really doodly dudes. They come over. You guys, we emptied my apartment 
from soup to nuts in four hours' time. In the meantime, I don't know who was like the narc that told on me to my ex at the time, but he hears about us moving out. And then he comes with a friend and starts just doing real shysty things just to prove like, you're not bothering me, this is fine kind of thing. Anyways, I get to my parents' house and I slept in a bed and for the first time I slept and slept and slept. I ended up sleeping for a full 24 hours. And when I woke up the next day, I felt completely different. I had a peace and a calmness and a sense of security that I just, it is completely, I, there's no way I can explain it to anybody that hasn't experienced it. But I knew 100% through all of the things that happened that it was 100% God that I had prayed and he had answered so mightily and so loudly, there was no way I couldn't talk about him. And there was no way that I would ever confuse how everything happened. Now, my life since then, it's not been perfect, but it has been a life that I have lived with purpose. And it has been a life where I'm able to understand that people have their own baggage that you might not know by looking at them at all. So I'm going to end this today and I will continue the story to let you guys know the ways I have seen God walk and work in my life. But I just want to remind you, you never know what somebody else is going through. You have no idea. It's not your job to judge them. It's your job to love them. All right, dudes, I'm signing off. Remember, God totally loves you all the time. Friends, thanks for getting to this part of the episode. If this encouraged you at all, or if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me. I actually officially have an email address for podcast stuff. It's nestingwiththeearlybirds at gmail.com. And remember, early is E-A-R-L-E-Y. You can follow me on Facebook, which is also Nesting with the Early Birds. We have a public page. And you can also just follow me on whatever listening platform you're listening on. Please share this with people. Please subscribe and let's continue to grow these numbers. Thank you so much.